So we've been practicing throughout the day today, a long day of practice, and I know for some of you it's been a very, very long day. And I also know that everyone has been trying their best to stay in the practice, to be mindful and aware. And even if one doesn't feel that one's been trying one's best, um, (laughs) this is a self-assessment, and we all do the best that we can. So the instructions all day have been to be mindful. We've said it in a number of different ways to see if it's possible to be mindful uh, within all the different activities in, in each moment. And yet, maybe one feels at the end of the day that nothing much has changed. You know, actually, <laughs> maybe one feels that, uh, unfortunately, things are worse <laughs> than they were this morning. You know, oh no. And we kind of wonder, you know, how can that be? I've been um, putting some degree of effort out, you know, maybe a lot of effort, maybe a little bit of effort, but I've been putting some effort out. And why do I feel uh, so restless? And why is there doubt? And why am I still so tired? Why is there fatigue occurring? And we wonder, you know, is the practice going in the right direction? which is a a valid question to ask. Usually the reason that these questions might arise, you know, that we feel perhaps that um, either nothing has changed or else it's gone in the direction we haven't wanted it to go, is because there's a really big difference between knowing and accepting. There's actually an ocean of difference between knowing and accepting. So what I would like to speak about tonight is acceptance and transformation. I'd like to start with something that Nisargardatta Maharaj wrote, who was a very awake being who rolled beedis, uh, cigarettes, in India. And this is something that he said, By watching yourself in your daily life with alert interest, with the intention to understand rather than to judge, in full acceptance of whatever may emerge, because it is there, you encourage the deep to come to the surface and enrich your life and consciousness with its captive energies. This is the great work of awareness. It removes obstacles and releases energies by understanding the nature of life and mind. Intelligence is the door to freedom, and alert attention is the mother of intelligence. Because I know everybody's tired, I'm going to read it again. (laughs) I know what the first day of a retreat's like. By watching yourself in your daily life with alert interest, with the intention to understand rather than to judge, in full acceptance of whatever may emerge, because it is there. You encourage the deep to come to the surface and enrich your life and consciousness with its captive energies. This is the great work of awareness. It removes obstacles and releases energies by understanding the nature of life and mind. 
Intelligence is the door to freedom, and alert attention is the mother of intelligence. This path of meditation is indeed a path of awareness. And awareness is composed of a number of different elements. One element is that of acknowledging or recognizing or knowing what our experience is. Another element is accepting or allowing for, making room for whatever our experiences may be. And then another element is interest or understanding, wisdom. And out of interest and investigation and understanding and wisdom comes inner freedom and transformation. Just a very simple definition of transformation. Transformation means to understand things as they are to understand ourselves as we really are, to really see beyond or underneath the surface of things, to see into the truth of things, which frees the heart from its torments. And then the result is that of transformation. So just to look at each one of these qualities of mindfulness, acknowledgement, acceptance, and interest or investigation. What is acknowledgement? Acknowledgement is recognizing what is happening inwardly in the here and now. Izumi Shikobo said this very well. Watching the moon at midnight Solitary, mid-sky, I knew myself completely, no part left out. I knew myself completely, no part left out. So this is really where acknowledging and recognizing our experiences is really important. In this body-mind process, what can be known? What can be recognized and acknowledged. And perhaps maybe to look a bit at your day-to-day, at what experiences you had, but also just to look right now to be aware of how the body feels right now. Now, Does it feel tense? Does it feel relaxed? Are there areas of relaxation? Are there areas of tension? What does it feel like to be in this particular posture? I do notice another chair, by the way, in the back of the room. So if anyone wants to move, and I I see another chair there actually too. So speaking about the body, if you've been struggling with the sitting posture all day and you want to move to a chair, it might be a good idea. But in any case, whatever your posture is, to feel your body right now, to feel your feet touching the floor, just to have an, an awareness of this body, to know how your body feels right now, what is actually happening in this body. And as well to recognize, to know what's occurring in the mind right now, which means thoughts and emotions, perceptions, intentions. What is going on in the mind right now? What are the thoughts occurring right now? 
when you're listening to me and then you take off for a moment, you know, and move into a, a certain train of thinking, what is that train of thinking? You know, to know what is actually happening and to just know it quite honestly. This is this arena of acknowledging and recognizing is we just want to be quite honest about whatever our experiences are. It's not as if they should be any different than they are. So just the acknowledgement, the recognition, this is what's happening. You know, having this kind of a thought or this kind of a train of thought, um, these emotions are occurring. Um, The inner atmosphere is like this or like that. Now, the inner environment uh, in a very felt sense way is like this or like that. You know, if you're experiencing a lot of doubt, what does doubt feel like? You know, can you can you really just know and acknowledge doubt is occurring? Not it shouldn't be occurring, but it is occurring. Being aware regarding the mind of whether the mind feels kind of spacious and roomy right now, or if it feels very narrow and contracted. If restlessness is happening, knowing that restlessness is happening. If ease is happening, knowing that ease is happening. Just simply being able to recognize what our experience may be. This is really the most fundamental aspect of mindfulness, is simply to know what it is that we're experiencing After recognition, you know, once we know what our experience is, so try to practice as I'm speaking, you know, so one knows this is what's happening right now. There are these thoughts or this way of thinking or the body feels like this or the mind is, you know, preoccupied with this or with that. After simply recognizing acceptance really is our next step. Now, this is what is called for, asked for, invited is acceptance. As Nisargata Maharaj said, in full awareness of whatever may emerge. In full awareness of whatever may emerge. And I think the word whatever is actually the operative word here. Not not just what I want to have happen or um, what seems good and, and noble and all of that but of whatever may emerge. It's huge. This is a huge way of thinking. Now, it's a vast and actually measureless way of being in full acceptance of whatever may emerge. I said before, and I just want to say again, that we can know what's happening without accepting it. We can easily know what our experience is. Oftentimes we don't even know what our experience is. And so to be in this environment and be encouraged and put the effort out to just know what your experience is, is really wonderful. Because oftentimes before we sit a retreat, we think we know what our experience is. Because how could we not? We're in our bodies. We're, We're living our life. How could we not know what our experiences are? And yet, of course, when we are encouraged to sustain our mindfulness over the day, um, we begin to notice gaps. You know, sometimes these gaps are actually quite big gaps, as some of you may have noticed throughout the day today. But we begin to notice gaps that we are not all that aware of what our experiences are. 
But even when we are aware, sometimes we neglect to take that next step, which is that after recognition has to come some degree of making room for what we're experiencing to be experienced. So this is really just another step. You know, there's the knowing, and then there is the, um, the allowing for our experiences to be whatever way they are, without trying to interfere or manage them or um, do this or do that, but simply seeing if we can make room, allow for there to be some spaciousness so that we can um, experience things as they are. What is acceptance? Acceptance is an open-hearted attentiveness which means not judging what we see. Because seeing is actually always positive. You know, we don't, we don't relate to seeing as always positive. We think we should only be seeing wonderful things, or we should only be experiencing peace or bliss or things like that. And so when we experience the opposite of peace or the opposite of bliss or uh, doubt or restlessness or irritation or whatever our experiences may be, we don't see it as positive. But from the viewpoint of liberation, our seeing is always positive. This might help in terms of allowing ourselves to take that next step of experiencing, of, of acceptance, is that if we know that the seeing in of, of itself is positive, this is fantastic. You know, because then we can maybe encourage ourselves to open and make room for Um, an even fuller experiencing of what it is that's happening. It's positive because we're always allowing the conscious mind to rub rub up against the unconscious mind. And so we are allowing what hasn't been seen to be seen. And then if we can see what has not been seen, then something is possible. Change is really possible. Transformation is really possible. So to really recognize that the seeing, no matter how terrible the content may be or how difficult or how uncomfortable or how much we're judging ourselves because of what we're experiencing, the seeing is always a really good thing. Our attitude needs to be a willingness to understand, wanting to understand instead of moving so easily into judgment and condemnation or moving so easily into clinging or trying to get rid of. Accepting that things are not certainly as they should be. Certainly things are not as they should be, especially in regard to outer situations. And they are as they are. You know, when we get caught in the should-bes of things, things should always be otherwise, always be different than the way that they are. Accepting ourselves as we are, which means not some ideal of how I should be, because we should always be otherwise. We should always be other than the way that we are. You know, always according to our agendas and our expectations. And let's face it, I mean, most of us, most of us feel a little bit on the strange side in this world, right? 
I mean, no, none of us can, can uh, look at our minds in the way that we have all day and not come out feeling just a little bit strange, a little bit odd. Someone wrote to um, the great yogi Tofu Roshi, otherwise known as Susan Moon, uh, Dear Tofu Roshi, I am weird. Can I help it? Signed, Anonymous. <laughs> Dear Anonymous, I would have to make your acquaintance before I could answer your question. Were you born weird, or did you later become so? In any case, the most important thing is to accept yourself as you are, assuming, of course, that you first take care of your personal grooming and hygiene. <laughs> I beg you to accept yourself as you are. Buddhist practice is what you may call a come-as-you-are party. A come-as-you-are party. I don't, I'm sure anybody really related to today is a party, but still, <laughs> maybe it helps to contextualize it in that way. Now, a come-as-you-are, come-as-you-exactly-are, without any shaving off of, of any rough edges, you know, any modification. But really, um, this is one of the great beauties, I think, that we discover, is that there are, for all of us, feelings of strangeness and, and weirdness. And, you know, this is part of the practice. We don't have to allow those feelings to move into a feeling of isolation or alienation or differentness. Yeah? I mean, really just this come as we absolutely are in whatever moment that we're in. Acceptance is loving kindness. And it really is unconditional loving kindness. Some of you have heard of Mula Nasruddin. Mula Nasruddin decided to plant some flowers. He prepared the soil and planted some seeds. However, when the flowers came up, dandelions came up as well. There were more dandelions than flowers. Nasruddin asked every gardener he knew what to do, and he tried every method known to get rid of them, but nothing worked. Finally, he made a journey to speak to the best gardener in the area. This gardener had counseled many gardeners before and suggested a variety of remedies to Nasruddin. Nasruddin had tried them all. Nasruddin and the gardener sat together in silence for some time. Finally, the gardener looked at Nasruddin and said, Well then, I suggest you learn to love them. This is our only alternative is to learn to love what appears to be utterly unacceptable within us. No, we really don't have any other choice other to learn how to open to and make room for, experience what is whatever it is. And really what's being talked about, as I said, is that which is unconditional. So whatever you're leaving out, that's it. And whatever one leaves out is where the trouble lies. You know, things are fine, things are fine, things are fine, and then we leave something out. This is absolutely unacceptable. Can't touch it. And that's where the trouble lies. So is it possible to look at the arenas that we may leave out, the thoughts or the emotions, the feelings, the perceptions, the intentions, and to just simply see 
if it's possible to come into a different relationship, which that which appears to be unacceptable within us. There are different words for acceptance, because sometimes acceptance is really not such a great word to use. It seems a little too solid. And um, sometimes it implies accepting outer situations that are truly terrible. So um, sometimes a better word instead of acceptance is allowing or making room for. Is it possible to make room for? Is it possible to practice non-resistance to the inner reactions that are occurring? Non-judgmental observation. Relaxing and softening into how things are. So softening into instead of bracing against is another way to talk about acceptance. Turning towards the uncomfortable. Non-avoidance is another word for acceptance. Non-avoidance, not resisting what is in this very moment, not resisting what is. In the realm of meditation, whatever it is that occurs is just simply that which is occurring. Whatever it is that is happening in the realm of meditation is not a problem. So really, as I said before, unconditional means unconditional. Not comparing ourselves with others, the imagined experiences that others may or we think that others are having and we're being left out of or that we're having and others don't have to experience. I mean, sometimes, I'm sure in this room, um, whatever you're experiencing is being experienced by someone else in this room. But even if you don't want to think that, you know, even if you want to think that you're the only one in this room who is experiencing something so horrible, so terrible, you know, so just, just, you know, out there that nobody else is experiencing or has ever experienced before. (laughs) A really, really helpful thing is to remember the wider world, the greater world, you know? Always, whatever it is that we're experiencing somewhere, somebody in this great, wide, vast world is definitely experiencing the same thing. And usually more than one person. Usually it's a crowd, actually. (laughs) And in this environment, it's, you know, many times whatever one is experiencing, it's, it's, you know, it's a huge crowd. But to see if one can expand in this way and resonate with the fact that others are experiencing what you are experiencing. Seeing if it's possible not to compare oneself with oneself. You know, because sometimes we don't so much compare ourselves with others. Some of us do, some of us don't. But it's so easy, even if we don't do that, it's so easy to compare ourselves with this idea of ourselves in the past. You know, this idea of how we were on our first day of a retreat, you know, 10 years ago. We have this memory. It was fantastic. It was great. I didn't experience any suffering. That's what got me back here to do another retreat. You know, we can think these kinds of things. We're comparing ourselves with other experiences that we're ha- we had, have had. You know, sometimes for um, those of us who have been practicing a long time, 
there's a tendency to kind of, you know, know that or think at least that the retreat's going to go in a certain way. This is what I'll experience on this day. And then the second day, it'll be like this. And then the third day, it'll be like this. And then the fourth day, fifth day, great happiness, you know, all of this kind of thing. And then, of course, life just gets in the way and is always the way that it is. And all of our plans, all of our ideas, all of the ways that we've compared ourselves to this imaginary self existing in the past only in our minds, by the way, you know, only in our minds, you know, does it matter? Um, We begin to um, see that this is actually an idea about ourselves that we can let go of, that we don't have to torture ourselves in this way, you know, because it's really a self-torture. Nobody else even knows we're doing it, you know? If someone were interested even enough to, um, you know, actually know moment to moment what your experience was during a given situation 10 years ago, which I don't know whether that's true for anybody, having that kind of attentiveness in one's life, you know, the, the person's eyes would totally glaze over. I don't think you'd actually still be in contact with that person anymore. But anyway, let's just, just say that possibly that is so. Um, still, it's that person would be looking at your experience in a different way than you are. You know, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps with compassion. You know, maybe with compassion. Rather than what's wrong with you now because you're not, you know, experiencing what you had experienced before. <laughs> so perhaps we can look at our own experiences with eyes of compassion. What I'm speaking about, of course, is not easy at all. It's really hard at times, you know, depending on what our experiences are and depending on all sorts of different things. So sometimes we find that it is not possible to accept. It's absolutely not possible to accept. Fine. There's always a way in in this practice. And the way in, if one can't accept, is to accept non-acceptance. That's the way in. You You can never get away with anything in this practice because there's always a way if you can find it. You know, it's really the art of meditation that we discover. So the way in, if acceptance is absolutely impossible and resistance is really strong and you just can't stand it, see if it's possible to accept your non-acceptance. This is fine. This is still practice. This is good practice at times. We are practicing the middle path, and in this case, the middle path is the middle path between avoidance and dwelling. As Bodhidharma's teacher said, when I inhale, I don't dwell upon things. When I exhale, I don't pursue thoughts. Thus, I breathe the sutra as it isness, hundreds of thousands of millions of times. When I inhale, I don't dwell upon things. When I exhale, I don't pursue thoughts. Thus, I breathe the sutra as it isness, hundreds of thousands of millions of times. There is a big difference between 
acceptance and resignation. And we really want to be very clearly aware of the difference between the two. Resignation is the voice that says, this is how things are. This is how things have been. Because this is how things have been, this is the way things always will be. Resignation comes out of the old. It comes out of the past. It actually comes out of the past imposing itself on the present. It comes from a deeply conditioned mental state that has been nourished at some point or another. In resignation, there is passivity, there is powerlessness, there is helplessness. There is the belief, and sometimes it's a really big belief, that things will never change. Or they will change for others, but they will never change for me. This is nowhere near acceptance. This really is resignation. Acceptance is accepting that things are as they are in this moment and that everything is subject to the law of impermanence. So it's very, very different than imposing this belief system on ourselves, saying that this is the way things always will be. Acceptance is the new. It's the now. It doesn't come from a conditioned mental state. What is seeing conditions is unconditioned. So it's an aliveness in the here and now. Acceptance is not the end point of the path. It is the beginning of transformation. Acceptance allowing for making room for leads to wise action. It leads to empathy. It helps us to change what can be changed. And it certainly enlarges our capacity to open and to love more deeply. How can we know if we are truly accepting something? Because sometimes we think we are and we're really not. Well, one question that we can ask ourselves if we don't know whether we're really accepting something is to ask if time is involved, is the concept of time involved? As in, how long is this going to last? It better be short. You know? Time equals agenda. Time is the same as agenda. And the agenda is to get rid of. So if we're in a sitting and we're having a certain experience and we're thinking, you know, there are only 10 more minutes left, so I think I can grit my teeth and bear it. That is bearing it. You know, that's endurance, but it's not acceptance or equanimity. And so at those times, it is maybe more skillful, if you're doing the gritting your teeth kind of thing, to um, shift your posture in some way if physical suffering is involved. If emotional suffering is involved, I'll, I'll talk about that in just a moment or two. Another way to find out if we are truly accepting something is to see if negotiation is involved. <laughs> I'll be aware so that this will go away. That's called negotiation. You know, I know that awareness is transformative. And I believe, at least, even if I forget it totally in this moment when I'm suffering enormously, 
I believe that um, that it will help to be aware. You know, nothing, I don't have any other options right now, so I, I might as well try being aware or being mindful. You know? But this is not pure awareness, and so no change actually can take place because with this kind of a negotiating, I'll be aware so that this will go away, really what is happening is we are reinforcing aversion. We are actually reinforcing non-acceptance and resistance. So instead of taking that next step from the knowing and the acknowledgement into the acceptance and the making room for, we're blocking our path in that moment. You know, we're, we're stopping, we're standing still in that moment. And so to be aware of negotiation is a way in. To know that this is what the mind is doing. Just to begin to understand how our, our minds are working. The agenda to get rid of is non-acceptance or resistance. Non-acceptance and resistance are torments of heart. If non-acceptance and resistance and agendas and thoughts about time, the concepts about time, are believed in and encouraged, there is actually the cultivation of greater difficulty. So to take a step back and to see if we can make room for whatever the mind is doing in that moment, know that negotiation is happening and that it's not real awareness. Acceptance is opening to the out-of-control nature of our inner experiences. And we see this more and more as we practice, that our inner experiences are indeed out of control. So acceptance is opening and acknowledging this out-of-control nature. The only thing in this world that it is possible to control is where we choose to put our attention. This is possible to control where we put our attention, at least at times. You know, not when we're in the ozone and we're gone. Then we don't have any choice whatsoever. But we do when we're awake and conscious. You know, we're in that mode of knowing and acknowledging what our experiences are. Then we can be skillful in the ways that we use our attentiveness. And so to use our attentiveness wisely and kindly is to see if we can make room for what's happening. To work with emotional resistance or emotional angst, emotional states, not the physical, there are different ways to do this. To ask the question, and I I actually encourage you to try to remember, if you forget the whole entire talk, fine, but this one, one phrase, if you can use this throughout the week, it might really help. You know, just, just at times throughout the week, see if you can um, use this phrase, which is, can I make room for this? Is it possible to make room for this experience? Yeah. Just that sometimes opens something up within our hearts where we find that we can make a little bit of room when we didn't think we could. So oftentimes just asking this question is a real guide and encouragement. To ask the question, am I afraid of feeling this? 
because oftentimes we're really afraid of what we know is happening, what we're able to acknowledge is happening and recognize is happening. You know, we're afraid of actually feeling it, experiencing it fully. And so asking, am I afraid of feeling this, can sometimes be a help. Um, Dropping the story about why the emotional state is occurring is a skill and something we really want to encourage ourselves to do, to let go of the stories about the emotions that are happening, about the states of mind that are occurring, to let go of the stories about the thoughts that are happening as well. And one way of seeing if we're making room for something or um, practicing, allowing for, and accepting is when you hit a really strong, really difficult emotion that just seems completely horrible and terrible, to do the opposite of our instinct. Our instinct is to try to make it go away, to try to make it smaller, to squelch it, um, to try to pretend it's not happening, to have it way in the back of one's mind instead of really being awake to it. So the opposite is sometimes a really interesting thing to do. I mean, I definitely wouldn't encourage you to do this all the time, but I'm speaking about having a really strong experience of aversion or difficulty. To ask, can I allow this to fill the room? Don't be afraid of hurting others. You know, Just see if you can let that feeling get bigger. If it's grief, let it get bigger. Not the story about the grief, because that brings us into dwelling in places of more grief. But the isness of it, in the moment, whatever it may be, can we allow it to get bigger? Can we allow it to fill the room? I was encouraging someone to do this a while ago, and she loved it. She was doing it really, you know, really creatively. And so we started with the room, and then we moved to the town And then we moved to the state, and everything was great. You know, the state was fine. And then we moved to, this happened in Massachusetts, so we moved to New Hampshire, and that was fine. But then I asked her to, you know, to make it get bigger, and she said it started to touch Maine. And she had a lot of difficulty with that because she loves Maine. So (laughs) she didn't want this very terrible feeling to permeate Maine. But this does not, I mean, when I said don't worry about people in the room, it's actually a way of letting it become so big that it just dissolves, you know? So we're not trying to make it something that it's not. We're not trying to confine it. We're not narrowing in. We're actually doing the opposite of that. We're allowing it to be as big as it wants to be. Again, I want to emphasize not the story about it, you know, but the isness of it in the moment, in the moment that it's happening. It can also be quite a good thing when a very, very difficult feeling is occurring to, um, to encourage a sense of spaciousness. So, you know, know that sounds are happening at the same time that the very difficult feeling is occurring. To know that there's maybe a breeze against your skin at the same time as you know that the very difficult feeling is occurring. You know, to see if that is a way to accept. 
and then to move from acceptance into wisdom. There is a crossover into wisdom, from acknowledgement into acceptance into interest, understanding, wisdom, investigation. So it's important in this arena to understand that acceptance does not mean condoning. It does not mean accepting the unacceptable when it comes to outer situations. But even inwardly, it doesn't mean aligning with that which brings misery. What it means is getting close enough to understand. If we're holding everything at arm's length, you know, we're not going to be able to really understand for ourselves how things are. So it really means becoming intimate with our life in the here and now so that investigation is really possible. When there is acceptance, then we can bring an interest in and a curiosity in, and we can begin to see it in somewhat of a different way, in a way that we can't when we're pushing our experiences away. So the acceptance is in the service of seeing more clearly for ourselves. What do we want to encourage? And what do we want to let wither? You know, if we are not allowing for our experiences to be as they are, we're going to always be quite tight in terms of I should be experiencing this or I should be experiencing that. And we can come down quite hard on ourselves in this way. We won't ever know for ourselves. Now, the Buddha's encouragement was one of knowing for ourselves, of real investigation concerning what brings happiness and what brings misery. And we won't ever know for ourselves. We'll always have to be told by others unless we are willing to do the work of making room for. There is a a question that is sometimes asked. Because there's a seeming paradox in this way of practice, which is this, that the teaching is to accept things as they are. You know, we hear this over and over again. See if you can accept things as they are. And yet, we are also directed to know the difference between the wholesome and the unwholesome. And so we can easily have this question, well, which one is it? Which is true? Should I accept things as they are, or should I know the difference between the wholesome and the unwholesome? You know, to accept obviously means accepting the unwholesome qualities that we find within ourselves. So this or to change the unwholesome into the wholesome. Another way of putting this might be this, that I read Buddhist books or I hear people talk, you know, and the implication is that certain states of mind are better than other states of mind. It's better to be equanimous than agitated. It's better to be loving than angry. You know, this kind of thing is a preferred state of being. And then I hear, well, just be agitated. You know, just be irritated, just be um, whatever the state of mind is. And so, you know, sometimes we think, well, what to do? Which one is it? The fact is that both are true in the very same in-breath and out-breath. The teachings point out the way. And mindfulness is the way. Mindfulness means contact. Mindfulness is contact. And out of contact comes learning comes wisdom. 
a fundamental aspect of wisdom is an increasing capacity to discern between the unwholesome and the and the wholesome this is one description of wisdom the capacity to discern between the wholesome and the unwholesome and so we can hear this teaching of just accept you know kind of like i'm okay you're okay as as a little bit on the new agey side you know we can also hear um, certain states of mind are wholesome and other states of mind are unwholesome, so veer towards the wholesome as overly moralistic and confining, you know, as rules about how we should be. Actually, the wholesome in the context of the Buddhist teachings means happy, and the unwholesome means miserable. Instead of right or conventional, what is the conventional way to be? What we're aiming for is discerning between skillful and unskillful. We're discerning between wise and unwise. We are discerning between compassionate and harmful. So both are true because accepting the unwholesome leads to transformation. Acceptance is essential because with acceptance, we can see into things as they are with an enormous degree of intimacy. We can see into impermanence that everything is changing. We can see into what stories we're attaching to. We can see into the ways that we identify with certain states of mind as being who we are in an inherent and solid way. It is not possible to see clearly without first accepting what is seen. This training is to remain undistracted, to encourage a non-preoccupation of the heart, to acknowledge, to make room for or accept, and to learn, to investigate our experiences. Recognizing, allowing for, knowing what to cultivate, knowing what to let wither, This way really is a way of transformation. Just to end with um, something by Rilke. We have no reason to harbor any mistrust against our world, for it is not against us. If it has terrors, they are our terrors. If it has abysses, these abysses belong to us. If there are dangers, we must try to love them. And only if we arrange our lives in accordance with the principle which tells us that we must always trust in the difficult, what now appears to us as the most alien will become our most intimate and trusted experience. How could we forget those ancient myths that stand at the beginning Of always, the myths about dragons that at the last moment are transformed into princesses. Perhaps all the dragons in our lives are princesses who are only waiting to see us act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us is, in its deepest essence, something helpless that wants our love. 
May all beings have true ease of mind. May all beings have enormous openness of heart. May all beings live in love and in compassion. Let's just sit for a moment. Okay, so this is a walking session, and we'll meet for our last sitting of the evening at quarter of nine. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.